You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hey friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals we have right here in the United States. This is episode 85 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg. No, I said it. He didn't say it because he's not here, but he will be here in the interview. Ken fans, be patient. He's coming. For those of you who don't know us, we're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts too. This week's guest is a repeat, one of our favorites, Dr. Justin Miller. We're going to be talking to him about his research on cuckolding. If you're not familiar with Dr. Miller, let me get you up to speed. He received his PhD in social psychology from Purdue University. He's a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Dr. Leigh Miller is an award-winning educator, having been honored three times with their Certificate of Teaching Excellence from Harvard University, where he also taught for several years. He's also a prolific researcher and scholar who has published more than 40 pieces of academic writing to date, including a textbook entitled The Psychology of Human Sexuality that's used in college classrooms around the world. Dr. Leigh Miller's research focuses on topics including casual sex, sexual fantasy, sexual health, and friends with benefits. His studies have appeared in all of the leading journals in human sexuality. Dr. Leigh Miller runs the popular blog Sex and Psychology and has been interviewed by so many media outlets, pretty much everyone you can think of, you know, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, CNN, The Atlantic, etc. He's also appeared on several episodes of the television program Taboo on National Geographic and writes columns for publications like Playboy, USA Today, Vice, Psychology Today, Politico, and New York Magazine. And if you didn't listen to episode 74 of American Sex Podcast, go do that because Dr. Lay Miller told us all about the science of sexual fantasy, and it was fascinating. Now, this subject, I really, really, really dug. I loved our conversation. We get letters all the time about cuckolding, but so many folks don't actually openly talk about it. Now I can say in my brief time doing a little moonlighting in phone domination, cuck themes came up in about half of my calls. Yeah, it was really popular. Dr. Leigh Miller in this conversation talks about how cuck holding has roots in evolutionary biology, the surprising correlation between conservative lifestyles and cuck holding, how institutional racism in the United States plays into our sexual fantasies, the differences and similarities in gay cuckolding versus hetero scenarios, complementary fetishes like forced by, chastity, feminization, cross-dressing, and all those deliciously submissive things that I really, really, really like. Dr. Lay Miller also tells us how to tell your partner about your cuckold fantasies and incorporate them into your sex life. We talk about the alt-right's adaptation of the term and the huge media shitstorm that ensued when CNN published Dr. Lay Miller's study that he co-authored. We round up answering a listener question about cross-dressing and mismatched libido. Oh, oh, and... This is cool. At the end here, Justin tells us about his latest research on dick pics, specifically on who sends them and what motivates these folks to keep sending them. And over on Patreon, if you're a member, you'll get to hear a story about an unexpected encounter he had at a vanilla professional event. Before we get to all that, seriously, this is such a good conversation. But I got to remind you, if you didn't hear about our April giveaway, you got to get on it. You can win one, well, actually one or two of five toys in our latest Instagram giveaway. So go visit our Instagram contest post 
on my Instagram, which is at tag Sunny Megatron. And if you can't find it, the link is going to be in the show notes for episode 85 at americansexpodcast.com. Find the post and follow the directions, which is like, like my page, tag a friend, blah, 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 yada, yada. It's really easy. And that's how you enter to win. There's also a bonus prize for leaving us a podcast review on your favorite podcast player. And all the details about that are in the Instagram photo too. We're going to draw the winners on April 26th by random computerized selection. So good luck. I want to give you sex toys. I hope you win. I also want to ask you something, American fuckers. Do you listen to the Sluts and Scholars podcast? Cosmopolitan named them one of the hottest podcasts to listen to. Host Nicoletta Heidegger is a licensed MFT and sexologist. And other host, Simone, is an actor turned law student who really likes to talk about sex. Together, they chat with folks about sexuality, desire, pleasure, shame, stigma, and of course, all of those bodily functions. On the show, they've gotten beauty confidence advice from Dita Von Teese and anal sex pro tips from Jessica Drake. I've even been on an episode talking about sex toys. I'm going to play a trailer for Sluts and Scholars after our guest conversation, and I'd love for you to go take a listen. All right. So now let me look at my watch. Oh, boy. You know what time it is? It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. Shout out to the folks that joined our Patreon family this week. I want to give a huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Virginia, Carrie, and Heather for becoming American Sex Podcast supporters this past week. We really appreciate your support and we could not do this show without you. And if you're listening like Patreon, what the hell is Patreon? Go on over to patreon.com slash American sex. And there you can learn about how to become a member. Not only does your membership help support the show, which we love, but we also love to give you lots of awesome perks too, like bonus stories from our guests. You're going to hear one this week from Dr. Justin Laymiller. You'll also get extra full-length episodes, American Sex Podcast stickers, and we have a new design that's coming soon, and Patreon people are going to get that design first. You might get a personal video greeting, random surprises in the mail. Yeah, we send stuff in the mail to you, and a lot more. All right, American fuckers, are you ready? Go grab your spouse or your significant other and make them sit in the corner like the little bitch that they are and watch you really really enjoy listening to this conversation with Dr. Justin Lay Miller about cuckolding. All right. I am going to, do you want me to to lead in, Ken? Do you want me to do the talking? What am I, a cuckold? (laughs) (laughs) Only if you like to watch. Be quiet and listen to Justin and I talk and do the interview. You wish you could interview. (laughs) You have to blow him when I'm done. (laughs) Maybe. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Please tell me you're recording right now. I am. Okay. <laughs> so that might have been the start of our interview because uh, <laughs> our, I get lots and lots and lots of emails and letters about cuckolding all the time. And it seems all like- All the time. It's like the one of the number one subjects. We tried so hard to get this on our show, Sex with Sunny Megatron. And we had like two, three, and four backups- all of which failed to come on the show. It seems yes. like it. Yeah, it seems like it's the thing that everybody wants to do, but nobody wants to admit to it. So we've got on the line Justin, Dr. Justin Laymiller for the second time. Hi, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. So um, this is something we haven't really covered. Like Ken said, we had a, a problem trying to cover it for our TV show because everyone does it, but nobody admits to it. And you managed to like do a study. and like, but he, he wasn't putting them on Showtime. So they, there's, there's a true. little bit of a difference there. There's some anonymity with the study. That's true. That's true. Um, so let's dive in because there's a lot of people that know what cuckolding is. And there's a lot of people that think they know what cuckolding is because the word is kind of common lexicon right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of people that are like, what the hell is this? So it's a really broad subject too. Like I like I actually first found about it from being a biologist from the cuckoo bird. 
what? That that's the origin of, of where cuckolding comes from. The the cuckoo bird would lay its I, I believe and I can't remember if it's the male or the female, but would drop the egg into another bird's nest, and then the other family of birds would raise the cuckoo bird in their nest as their own. Oh, wow. I, Am I getting that right, Justin? Because it's been like 30 years since I like had that class. Yeah, I, I don't know that I know that much about cuckoos, but... Um, I know. <laughs> That's not your area of study. <laughs> uh, but, but I do know that the term cuckold uh, has long been used in humans to refer to a man who is raising a child that is not biologically his. So, uh, you know, the idea is that his female partner has become pregnant by another man and he's been cuckolded is, is how the term has historically been used. Um, but in recent years, we've seen the, the meaning of this term has, has kind of changed. And now it's become this, this sort of sexual fetish. And the idea behind it is that it's a consensual practice where it's kind of a threesome of sorts, where you've got one person who is watching their partner have sex with another person. And most commonly, this is uh, a man who is watching uh, his female partner have sex with another man. Um, it's not to say that this practice only exists in that context. Uh, there are also, for example, women who like to watch their male partners have sex with another woman. Um, sometimes that's given a different term. I've seen that referred to as cuck queening uh, mm -hmm. in, in some cases. Um, but so this, this can take a lot of different forms and it doesn't necessarily have to involve someone sitting there and watching their partner having sex. It could be, they could be in the other room listening to it. Uh, they could, their partner could go out and have sex with someone and just tell them about it when they come home. So, uh, like Ken was saying, you know, this is kind of an umbrella term that refers to a, a diverse set of sexual practices. So is the term hot wife, because that's something you see a lot in like porn genres and whatnot, is that the same thing as cuckolding or is it different? I, I wouldn't say it's synonymous with cuckolding, but it's a variant of it. So cuckolding, the way it is most commonly used tends to connote a BDSM element to it. So in a cuckold scenario, the person who is watching, who is taking on the voyeuristic role is also taking on a submissive role. And sometimes there might be some bondage involved. Sometimes that person might be humiliated by their partner in the process. Uh, so, so there tends to be some BDSM elements in cuckolding. Um, however, in hot wifing, that's a somewhat different variant where, you know, you might have, say, a, a man watching his wife or girlfriend have sex with another man, but there's no BDSM element to it. And the arousal and appeal of it might be very different. So he might get off on the idea of just knowing that his partner is, is really hot and really desired by someone else. So that's why it's called hot wifing. Right. So like the, in, in hot wifing, there's, you know, for those familiar with um, term non-monogamous terminology that um, compersion like oh mm -hmm. look you know you're having fun I'm happy for you I'm helping facilitate you know you getting off and it's hot to watch you where as in cuck holding there's that power dynamic there where the person being cucked is the submissive yeah I think that's a good way to put it mm -hmm. and oftentimes it goes hand in hand with a bunch of other stuff too yeah, isn't right? the hot wifing also more common in swinging communities than BDSM communities I, I would say so based on some of the uh, writings I've read uh, on the subject. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what are some of the other complementary fetishes that go along with cuckolding? Because when I think of cuckolding, I think of all sorts of other stuff that goes with it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I asked people in some of my research uh, who had cuckolding fantasies about other fantasies that they have. And some of the things that you see it correlated with are um, voyeurism fantasies in general. So these are people who just often like to watch, you know, they're, they're very visually aroused, not just in that cuckolding scenario, but in other cases. Um, you also see them reporting more BDSM fantasies across the board. So they tend to be more aroused by bondage and, uh, submission and, and masochism and humiliation. Chastity too. Yep. Is, is a, big one, you know, like, I'm gonna put you in chastity while you have to watch me do all these things. Or, um, you know, there's the cleanup, like the eating of the cream pie, or the cleanup or the, you know, fluffing the of the forced by aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. Enforced is in quotation marks. By yes, the way. consensually forced <laughs> by. Um, 
I was really fascinated, you know, years ago when I started getting into all the kinky things and learning about the things, when I heard about the theory that cuckolding has roots in evolutionary biology, and there's a reason why the people are be- who are being cucked are finding it so hot and arousing. So can you tell us about that? Sure. And what you're referring to there is what's called sperm competition theory. And this theory has been used to support why cuckolding is such a popular interest among men, um, but also why men are more aroused by gangbang scenarios than women are. And basically, the idea is that when men are surrounded by cues that that other men are competing for the same female, um, it leads to these biological and behavioral changes that are going to lead men's sperm to outcompete that of other men who might be mating with the same woman. Uh, so, so there's been some interesting research where they have shown men videos of, say, an all-female threesome or uh, basically a gangbang scenario, and then they collect their semen samples after they masturbate to watching one of these two videos, and they analyze the amount of active sperm that was released. And what they find was that when men are watching the gangbang scenarios, they release more what are called motile sperm. These are active sperm um, uh, compared to when they're watching that all-female threesome. So, so that supports the idea that when you've got multiple men competing for the same woman, it sort of leads to this heightened state of arousal that, that might change sperm output. Hmm. Interesting. So, and I've also, you know, there, there are other theories that like even the shape of the penis, that the, the coronal ridge is shaped like a, a scooper sort of to like push the other, other man's sperm out so they can be more likely to impregnate their partner, that sort of thing. So does all that also go hand in hand with this theory? It does. And they've actually done some experiments where they've created penises with different shapes and they've put them in, um, you know, fake vaginas that are, uh, filled with simulated semen that, you know, researchers have made with cornstarch and water. And, uh, they see how much semen is displaced when they put these different shaped penises inside the artificial vagina. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, people get very creative in the way that they research sperm competition. Um, but there, there's also some other research finding that when um, heterosexual men find that their female partners have cheated on them, that the next time they have intercourse with, with, their, with their partner, they engage in more vigorous and active thrusting. And that's also thought to be part of this sperm competition idea, which is that, you know, they're sort of using that scooping device to remove other semen that may have been deposited. Huh, interesting. And I, I have such conflicting feelings about like the fake vagina and the whole, <laughs> because it, it, part of me is like, I am so fa- like the science geek in me is so fascinated. And the other part of me is like, I have never heard intercourse made so unsexy in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Okay. So but, sweetheart, they're not looking at intercourse. They're looking at fluid dynamics. Which just, you know, <laughs> fluids and saying. sex are sexy, but when you're like, well, fluid dynamics, that's not sexy. <laughs> okay, so Wait, I... I have yeah. One quick question. So I, uh, a while ago, I was looking at um, some reports about where different kinds of porn are popular throughout the nation. And one of the things that I noticed was that in the American South and in places like Utah, there is a specific subsect of um, cuckolding that it, that involves race play where they're fetishizing black men and women are getting like queen of spades tattoos and that sort of thing. What, can you speak a little bit to that? Sure. In, in the world of heterosexual cuckolding, that racial element often seems to be present. And a colleague of mine, Dr. David Lay, wrote a book a couple of years ago called Insatiable Wives, Women Who Stray and the Men Who Love Them. And as part of this book, he interviewed uh, dozens of couples who were heterosexual couples that are sort of living this cuckolding lifestyle in the United States um, about their fantasies and experiences. And what he found was that that racial element was often present. So it's often these white men whose white female partners are having sex with uh, very well-endowed African-American men. And so that that racial element is there, that big penis theme is there. And David talks a bit about some of the potential 
you know, origins of this in his book. But, but yeah, that, that interracial element is definitely present. Mm-hmm. And I just have to float in right now for our listeners and be like the, the sexual uh, dead mother. And just mention that, you know, that is very prevalent. And I've seen it quite a bit. And while, you know, personally, I'm all about people exploring their fetishes. Oftentimes, people who have fetishes that are based in race or preferences that are based in race really are for racist tendencies, whether we know it or not, a racist subconscious bias. So I encourage anyone who's into that to really like sit with yourself and examine why you have those preferences or why you buy into the stereotypes that, you know, the African-American man has the giant penis because research tells us that's not really true. So just just floating in to say that. And one quick point, if I can tie into that, in my recent book, um, Tell Me What You Want, where I was surveying people about their sexual fantasies, I asked people about the race of the fantasy partners that they have. And what you see is that institutionalized racism in the United States is reflected in our sexual fantasies in that, um, you know, for example, white people predominantly fantasize about other white people, but uh, other racial minority groups, no other group shows that same strong in-group preference. And in fact, in some groups, uh, such as Asian Americans, you see a strong out-group preference where they're primarily fantasizing about whites. And so hmm. that's further evidence that uh, racial biases can creep into our fantasies in in ways that we might not realize. Yeah. So listeners, check yourselves. Really, really think about what you're doing. Anyway, so um, I, I really was into the whole evolutionary aspect of cuckolding when I heard, I was like, yes, but then wait a minute, you know, there aren't just heterosexual couples in the world that exist. And there aren't just heterosexual couples that are into cuckolding. So you recently did a study on cuckolding in the gay male community, correct? Correct. So tell me about that. So the origins of that study actually started with a sex advice columnist, Dan Savage. Uh, he had been receiving a lot of emails from readers about gay cuckolding. They were interested in it and wanted to know more about it. And Dan was kind of curious about sort of where this was was coming from, because previously we'd really only heard about this phenomenon among heterosexuals. So Dan and David got together and started talking about this, and then they, they brought me on board. And um, we ended up writing to Pornhub to see, well, is this actually on the rise? Is there any, you know, corroboration we can get for Dan's observations? And Pornhub wrote back and what do you know, over the last few years on gay pages on Pornhub, they've seen that searches for gay cuckolding have, have risen. Um, so, so there is something to this idea that interest is, is on the rise. So we decided to conduct this study to look at so what are the nature of gay cuckolding fantasies like and how are they similar to or different from heterosexual cuckolding fantasies? And what did you find out? Were the, were the gay men more interested in being the cuck or the bull or just was it equal? So we tended to focus more on the role of people who wanted to be in that voyeuristic position, right, where they're watching their partner engaged in other sexual activity. We haven't done any research yet on the psychology of the bull. And the bull, I should back up and mention, is that third oh, person yeah. who comes in. <laughs> um, uh, so so we, we don't really know as much about them um, in terms of that particular role or, or position. Um, in terms of, you know, just the, the gay versus straight cuckolding, um, what I see in, in some of my general sexual fantasy research is that a majority of self-identified men report having had cuckolding fantasies before, and that's true regardless of sexual orientation. Uh, so mm. men are more likely to have these fantasies than women. Um, and then in terms of how gay and straight men's cuckolding fantasies differ, one of the things that was really interesting to me was that that BDSM element that we talked about wasn't really present so much in the gay men's cuckolding fantasies, right? It was actually pretty rare for that to emerge. Merge, which tells us that in the the gay cuckolding, it's it's kind of more like hot husbanding uh, than it is like <laughs> you know cuckolding. Um, oh, one of the other things that was interesting was that in the gay cuckolding fantasies, that interracial theme was almost non-existent. You know, I want to say it was about one percent of our sample, um, you know, explicitly mentioned an interracial theme in their cuckolding fantasy. So that interracial element seems to be more prevalent among heterosexual men. Hmm. And and interestingly, that big penis 
element as well was also more common among the heterosexual men as well. You know what's interesting, and I think if I'm remembering correctly, the last time we had you on the show, we kind of went down this road a little bit. Like I have my own theory about um, heterosexual men who tend to take the submissive role, and if you look at at heterosexual cook uh, uh, scenarios the men tend to want to feel emasculated. You know, you mm-hmm. see a lot of um, sissification and, you know, I'm going to make you put on cutesy little thong undies and act like a sissy or, you know, the forced buy element. And it's interesting that in those scenarios, the bull is usually someone who's younger, better looking, bigger dick, you know, someone who makes them seem even more emasculated when you stand them side by side. Mm -hmm. So and and one of my theories has always been like, when I see straight men who are taking the submissive role, that they're working out their whole like, you know, masculine role in society and toxic masculinity and all the things that have been put upon them. Like you have to be the strongest, the best, you have to just support the family, you you know, never cry, that sort of thing. What do you think about that? I, I think there's some truth to it, that uh, there's a lot of pressure on men when it comes to sex to be just one thing, um, it, you know, to be dominant and to be the initiator of sex and to, you know, sort of always be in that, that powerful role. Um, but, but what I see in my fantasy data is that men fantasize a lot about submission and humiliation and masochism. And there seems to be uh, this, this sort of yearning to break free of that traditional gender role expectation that is put on men. Uh, you see the same thing with women, right? Women have a lot of fantasies about dominance as well. So cuckolding is one of those scenarios where you can flip the script on the traditional gender roles, where you can put women in that more dominant and empowered position over men who are taking that more submissive and masochistic role. And so I think on both ends, that can allow people to... Um, uh, kind of get that escape that they want and, and desire from societal expectations about sex. Mm-hmm. And and I also f- see a lot, you know, especially when this goes on between a couple that's in a long-term committed relationship, it's kind of like, hey, you know, you are putting me at the, the bottom of the barrel. I'm being a sissy. I'm being completely emasculated. You're getting to fuck like a hot, hot dude that in theory you should just leave me for because he's much better than me. But guess what? At the end of the day, when this is over, you're still coming home with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, I don't know, a, a testament of love that sounds so sappy, but I don't know. <laughs> what do you think of that? Yeah, I, th- I think there's something to that, um, to, to, to there being a certain feeling of security there that allows you to explore this particular fantasy. And in my research, I tested whether attachment anxiety was related to having cuckolding fantasies and attachment anxiety is basically you know kind of how much reassurance you need from your partner your fear of abandonment interestingly i didn't really find anything there with attachment anxiety um, but i did find that men who had higher self-esteem were more likely to have cuckolding fantasies which suggests that you know there is some kind of level of confidence and security that these individuals need to have to put themselves in that scenario where they're kind of letting their partner go off and have sex with other people. Hmm. Now, have you in any of your research, or even maybe anecdotally, if you don't have, you know, solid data, do you know how many people who have cuckold fantasies actually confide in their partner and act on those fantasies versus how many feel ashamed or embarrassed or that their partner won't understand and keep those to themselves. Mm-hmm. So I had some data from the the study of gay men in terms of whether they had ever shared their cuckolding fantasies. And I, I should back up and say that we specifically recruited gay men who reported already having had cuckolding fantasies. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we found was that 77% of them uh, reported having shared those fantasies with a partner before. Uh, and we also have the data on how their partner responded. And I think that's interesting because 42% of them said that their partner readily agreed. 39% said that their partner was a little hesitant at first, but later agreed. Um, and, and so you're really talking about just one in five who said their partner wasn't really open to the idea. Um, mm-hmm. 
so, so at least among gay men who have this fantasy, sharing it with a partner seems to be common, uh, and, and acting on it seems to be pretty common as well. For heterosexuals, uh, the numbers uh, tend to be a bit lower. Right. And that, that's my, my feel. I mean, yeah. and, and just us being us and getting the letters that we do, as we said, we get tons of, you know, hey, I need advice. And I'm really into this, but I'm afraid my wife is going to be like, what? And I don't yeah. know how to how to bring this up. So my hunch is that this is pretty damn common. And my hunch is there's people listening to this right now, like, holy shit, this is me. I have this <laughs> fantasy. And I don't know how to broach it or how to talk about it. Mm. So what would you say to those people who are like, yeah, this has been in my head. I fap to the thought of it all the time, but I wouldn't dare tell my partner, but I'd love to. How? So this is one of those things where you have to back up first and sort of get that level of self-acceptance uh and you have to feel good about yourself before you can share your fantasies with a partner so if you're turned on by cuckolding recognize that you're not alone uh you know like i said i find that a majority of men regardless of orientation report having fantasized about this before so mm. you're not weird or or abnormal um Next, when it comes to sharing your fantasies with your partner, you don't want to just jump out and say, Hey, honey, let's try cuckolding. Um, you know, I think it's a good idea to, to build up trust and intimacy and communication with your partner first. So if you're new to sharing sexual fantasies, start with the, the more vanilla, less kinky things and, and use that as an opportunity to build up sexual communication, to build up trust and intimacy. And then you can advance to the more adventuresome things later. And I think when it comes to something like cuckolding, um, you know, a lot of people are in long-term monogamous relationships and they've never thought about deviating from it. So the idea of opening up your relationship can be really challenging. So it might be worthwhile to, to read some guidebooks on how you navigate open relationships. And there are tons of fantastic books out there like The Ethical Slut or Opening Up. Um, I, I have lots of recommendations I could give, but read some of those books to get ideas on how you might um, you know, sort of set the rules and navigate this in your relationship. You've heard me say this time and time again, right here on this show. Here it is. Everybody, I mean, everybody needs therapy. Seriously, there could be something big going on in your life. Yeah, you need therapy. Everything could seem fine. And you could be like, I don't need therapy. Guess what? You need therapy. We all need someone to talk to. Yes, especially through those big things, but even through the everyday ups and downs of life. And that's where our latest sponsor, Talkspace, comes in. Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. And I'm, I'm telling you, I am so excited about Talkspace because this is going to revolutionize your mental health. I'm not even kidding. Because with Talkspace, you can send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time. You don't have to wait for those weekly appointments to vent. It's like you've got your therapist right in your pocket. Help me, I can't breathe. I don't like that emoji. Okay, it's like you've got your therapist right at your fingertips. And another cool thing is you're not limited to the therapist that are in your neighborhood. And that's especially important if you're looking for a therapist that's well-versed in certain lifestyle situations, you know, like non-monogamy, kink, or LGBTQ issues. So when you sign up at Talkspace, they're going to ask you about your therapy preferences, and then they'll match you with one of over 4,000 therapists and we'll do it on the very same day. Yeah, you heard me right. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges that we face. Now remember, everybody can benefit from therapy. Yes, even you. So I really want you to take advantage of this. To match you with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you're going to go to Talkspace.com. And you're going to also use the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, to get $45 off your first month and to show your support for this show. Now remember, that's SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at Talkspace.com. And I'm telling you this because you need it, because everybody needs therapy. <laughs> 
One of the common elements that I'm finding that are preventing people from doing this is the element of shame that's involved with it, specifically for people that are cis hetero men. Um, in about 2015 or so, the alt-right started to use the word cuck uh, to describe it. At first, it was used to describe cuck-servatives or people that didn't fall into the alt-right point of view. And then it sort of expanded to anybody that didn't believe you know, along the same like wavelength as them, how can we uh, do something to overcome such great levels of shame? Mm-hmm. Well, that's something I've tried to do more generally in my work on sexual fantasies, which is to to normalize diverse sexual interests. I think for a long time, people have thought that cuckolding is this weird, rare thing that you know only people who are are messed up psychologically would be interested in, and. You know, what I see in my own data and in the research more broadly is that, you know, we're talking about people who are perfectly psychologically well adjusted who are having these fantasies and these fantasies are very common. So I think it, it sort of starts with we have to collect the data first that dispels the myth and then get that information out there to, to reduce the shame and stigma. Mm. So speaking of the the more common usage of this term by the alt right and yada yada, so I was reading that when your <laughs> when your study came out, CNN wrote an article like, "Hey, uh, what people who engaged in cuck holding are, are happy or something like that," and then your world blew apart. So <laughs> what happened with that? Oh my god! So that was a thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so CNN wrote this article about our research, and the headline was something along the lines of cuckolding can be good for some couples, research says. And toward the beginning of the article, uh, the author mentioned something about that term cuckservative and how it's been used as a slur. And people did not like that on the alt-right, and they took to Twitter and were making fun of CNN, referring to it as the cuckold news network. Um, <laughs> they started, Sorry, that's yes, funny. It, it is, it is. Oh, God. And then they started attacking me and David Lay and Dan Savage. And uh, there were all these weird things that happened, like all of these anti-Semitic attacks emerged out of nowhere, where oh, people no. are saying, yeah, they're, they're like... Um, well, all of the authors of this study are Jewish, and Jews are secret um, communists who want to destroy Western civilization and values. Um, therefore, we shouldn't be surprised that they publish something like this. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, all right, some of us are actually public, and we're socialists. Yeah. I'm not a communist. I'm, I'm a Jewish socialist. So I'm very, very proud of that fact. Well, it's also interesting, too, because I'm not Jewish. Um, they just assumed that it was. But, you know, they're Did they still just using, assume all you guys were? Yeah. I, so, the, so they're just throwing the anti Semitic attacks around and, and not even, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It's a basic all, platform of the alt right to be Nazis. I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah. God. So, you know, this, this went on for a long time and, um, uh, and also the, the writer of that CNN article, Ian Kerner, who's a sex therapist, um, he told me a year later, he was still getting death threats from people for, for having written that article. So I think Whoa. that, that tells you like just what a, a chord this idea strikes with some people, like that they are that, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, offended by the idea of this this type of consensual non-monogamy that uh, you know it provokes this really intense anger and rage. Well, you know what's funny too, and I know you, you know your research can back this up is that those are the same guys that are engaging. <laughs> you know, they're that the was, ones yeah, doing it. I was going to ask that. It's like cuckold phobia. Like the people that are homophobic are most likely to be secretly gay. And I think the cuckold phobes and all the 4chan neckbeards are definitely probably having this cuckold fantasy. <laughs> uh, you, you know, there there is some truth about, you know, they doth protest too much. Um, <laughs> that that does so happen. much more eloquent than we yes. are. <laughs> We're like these bastards. <laughs> And you're all using your nice fancy words. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's interesting because 
this all happened early last year. I want to say it was around February of uh, 2018. And then my book on sexual fantasies came out in the summer. And I was petrified of the response I was going to receive because I talk about cuckolding in the book. And I also talk about how Republican sex fantasies are different from Democrat sex fantasies. And so I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen when the book comes out if they had this response to the CNN article? And then the book comes out and nothing happens. So, <gasps> it, you know, I was all worried and worked up for nothing. So I, it's just interesting that, that that article about gay cuckolding that was written about by CNN turned into this huge thing. But but the book so far, I, I haven't had that experience. Yeah. Well, thank God the manosphere has a very short memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I can say more disparaging things, but I'll move on. Because <laughs> I don't want to start getting those letters. But okay, anyway, maybe they don't read books. Anyway, so... um <laughs> <Free> themselves. <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, I just, I really find cuckolding uh, appealing, I guess. So we've talked about it from the cuck's point of view. I know you haven't done much research on the bull's point of view, but what about on the person who it, what, what, like, let's say I would, and this is never going to happen because we're both dominant, but let's say I was cucking, I don't know, Ken or whatever. What would, what would my role be? What would I be called? The cucky, the cuck, the cuck, cuck, cuckress. What am I? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know that we have a, a specific term for the, the partner in that scenario who's having sex with, with the bull. Uh, so you're welcome to, to propose new terms for that. But I think I'm, I think I want to be the cuckress. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. But okay. I, I think there's a different psychology behind people who take on that. I guess I characterize it as the exhibitionistic role, right? Where they're performing for their partner and the partner mm -hmm. who takes on the voyeuristic role. So for, for the voyeur, I see that, you know, they, they tend to have more of the BDSM fantasies about submission and, and about watching more generally. Um, I think for the, the person who's in that performative role, uh, they would probably have more fantasies about dominance more generally, as well as more fantasies about just exhibitionism, performing and putting on a show. So I think we're talking about two very different people. Um, I also see that there are gender differences in the roles that people fantasize about. So if you look at heterosexuals, heterosexual men are much more likely to fantasize about taking on that role of watching their partner have sex with someone else, whereas heterosexual women are more likely to fantasize about that performative role as opposed to watching their partner. So, hmm. um, so you have gender and I think some personality differences at play there. Hmm. By the way, the, uh, the word for the, if it is a hetero situation and the woman is the one who is receiving the attention, she is a cuckold dress. Oh, I was close. Word. I You're I thought close. it was in my brain somewhere. So, <laughs> all right, I was accessing some old ass information. Um, so okay, interestingly, and I'm I'll just be playing with it. So, you know, being a sex educator doesn't doesn't pay a lot. Like I don't have a fancy degree like you do. So, I've done some moonlighting, maybe in phone sex, and my my unofficial anecdotal research is there are tons of people into cuckolding, and I have found that oftentimes I would see that they would be like, you know, I'm a panty wearer. I'm a, you know, a sissy. I'm a, I'm going to be emasculated in every way you can think of. I'm going to be in chastity and teased, but not allowed to actually have the orgasm, that sort of thing. Um, and we also get a lot of letters and communications from people who are into cross-dressing and those sort of, um, you know, sissification-related fetishes as well. So recently, we got a communication on one of our Reddit forums from someone, and I would like to hear your opinion, because they asked for our advice. They were... I, somewhat, I wouldn't say distress, but here's what they say. Um, they're a huge fan. They appreciate everything we do. But second, they're quandary. I'm a very masculine man, cisgendered, man of notable size. Um, I've had a fascination with cross-dressing in the feel of nylon since as long as I can remember. Could you possibly explore the relationship between a straight, mostly, cis male who who in no way in the imaginable universe could pass for a lady or a sissy who also enjoys dressing up for his wife in five inch heels, Cuban stockings, and a garter belt. Um, my, 
<laughs> I know. I'm like, I can't even think. All right. So my wife and I have severely mismatched libidos. And while I do enjoy dressing up for her, I'm not really sure how to broach the subject with her. Um, the, telling her that this is something I enjoy on a regular basis. I'm never really sure of when the right time to bring it up. I'm always thinking about sex and kink. And she's very spontaneously in the moment. And he would love to get our advice about bringing this up. He knows it's nothing that repulses her, but he's still like, Neh. so I found this is more common than not. And, you know, listeners, probably one out of 10 of you were like, oh, yeah, this is my life. So what would you uh, recommend or what kind of advice would you give for somebody in that particular situation? Mm-hmm. Well, I think first, it's worth mentioning that the fact that all of these things are going together, the cuckolding, the uh, humiliation or sissification, and the, the sort of playing with the, the gender roles in terms of the, the forced feminization, those are all common fantasy themes among men. Um, I, I find in my research that gender bending, submission, humiliation, cuckolding, you know, these are things that um, a majority of men report having fantasized about at some time before. Uh, so, so it's not unusual uh, for, for someone to have, uh, to identify as male and to have these fantasies. Now, in terms of sharing them with a partner, um, you know, again, to repeat my earlier advice about, you know, having that good communication, trust and intimacy is really crucial. Um, but, but something else, especially if, uh, you and your partner seem to be mismatched in terms of when you're in the mood is to, um, you know, try and do more things to, to get in the mood. Uh, so that could involve, for example, watching, uh, you know, steamy movie together with sex scenes and then you know sort of using that as a as a lead into sexual activity and then when you're both already in a state of sexual arousal one of the benefits there is that it reduces your disgust response and it makes it so that you tend to be more open to to hearing about different ideas and, and sexual practices so you know you might just just try to find more ways to uh, sort of create a sexual mood and then use that as an opportunity to um, start discussing and exploring your fantasies. Mm. You know what? I think there's a really great idea for sort of an appetizer for that whole thing, and it involves cosplay. Um, there's a lot of comic book conventions that are out these days, and I know a lot of people that are into that very sort of situation. And one of the ways that they resolve it is by doing some gender-bending cosplay because it's a little bit more socially acceptable oh. as sort of an appetizer sort of thing. It's kind of a light slide yeah, into the idea. Yeah, it's a light, a light slide into the idea, and it like lets them explore a little bit. It makes them feel sexy and uh, and they get a lot of attention on top of it. So those of you that are in this situation, consider cosplay mm-hmm. as sort of a fun thing to do with your partner and go out and just have a great time at the convention and don't make it about sexuality, but do make it about gender bending. You know, and, and something else that works for, for some people where if they have mismatched libidos or if one partner has interests that are very different from the other is they decide to have some type of sexually open relationship where they might only engage in certain practices with certain partners. Um, so, so we see this oftentimes in the BDSM community where people might have, you know, one partner with whom they don't engage in BDSM sex, but other partners with whom they do. So I think there are different options and you got to kind of figure out what's right for you in your relationship. Mm. So now bringing that back, I'm thinking about cuckolding again, because, you know, as we've discussed, this is a super common fantasy, but opening up your relationship, that's a big step. And that takes a lot. And you have to make sure your relationship's in a good place. And it's a huge undertaking. So what would you recommend for someone who's like, yeah, you know, we both have cuckold fantasies, but we're not quite ready to go there and open up our relationship and bring an actual physical person in the room with us? What kind of options do people have to play out their cuckold fantasies without actually having like person number three in the room? Mm-hmm. I, I think part of it is you can just start by using it as a form of dirty talk. And, you know, you could talk about, um, you know, this person that you think would make for a, a great bull and sort of the scenario that, that you would craft and, and just use that as a way of stimulating arousal. And, and sometimes fantasies, 
don't need to be acted on in order for people to achieve sexual fulfillment. Just just talking about them, using them as a form of dirty talk can can be enough for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can do, you know, sort of baby steps to, to, to acting it out where they start by talking about it and then, you know, sort of progressively move there, maybe by um, introducing sex toys or, or bondage along the way. Or, um, you know, it could be, uh, for example, maybe one partner just watches their other partner flirt with somebody else mm-hmm. in a public place, but they don't actually go the step of having any sexual activity. You know, that could be sort of an introduction to, to kind of how it might work. You can see how you feel in that situation. And if you decide you're totally freaked out just by the idea of your partner flirting with somebody else, you know, that might be a red flag that maybe you don't want to go the extra step of, you know, bringing somebody else into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. That's very good advice. Very, very good advice. So, all right. I recent I I have no idea where this is going to go or how much you've done, but recently, like this morning, I read something about you and like the study of dick pics. Can we just talk about that for <laughs> oh my a God, second? I was, I was just looking at that as well. Yeah, like because I I okay. First of all, I am I'm not gonna say I'm fascinated by dick pics because now I'm gonna get eight million more dick pics <laughs> when, if I say that. I'm fascinated by the psychology behind dick, dick pics because I have been the receiver of hundreds, possibly thousands of dick pics, and I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of have my own theories as to why these people are signing or what they're trying to get out of it. So tell me about this because I just heard about this morning. Yeah. So what, what you're saying in terms of you've had this experience repeatedly, that's something that so many women I've spoken to have have reiterated. Maybe they haven't gotten 8,000 of them, but they've gotten a lot of them. And many women are disturbed by this. They, they find it to be uh, a form of harassment um, and it's unwanted. And they're curious about sort of what's motivating the behavior. Why are guys doing this? And, you know, what, if anything, can we do to to stop it. So I decided to conduct a study because to my knowledge, there is no published research looking at this phenomenon of uh, unwanted dick pics, uh, or as some people call it, dick bombing, you know, where it's, you know, the photo of a dick pic just spontaneously appears in your, um, in a text message or, um, a social media message or, or something like that. So, um, I surveyed and in the end, it was around 400 men, um, and looked at what their experiences were like. Had they ever sent, um, a dick pic? If so, was it solicited or unsolicited? And, you know, what were their motivations for doing it? How did the other person respond? Uh, and I just wrote up, um, some of the results for a conference presentation later this year. And ideally it, this year, I will also write it up as a paper for publication in an academic journal. Ooh, you know what I, I found? And I'm curious to say, I think it might just be me because of who I am. And I talk about BDSM a lot. And yes, I'm a dominant, but people just assume I, whether I was or not, they just assume I am. I get a lot of dick pics, you know, and, and it's random, you know, just mm-hmm. to, they'll send it. And then they'll either in that first message or they'll follow up with the message, basically insinuating like, tell me how horrible it is and tell me how small I am. Like they're, they're looking for small penis humiliation. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to figure this out. Is that common amongst most people? Or is that just me because of who I am and what I do? Um, I, you know, that might be more common among you because, you know, I've talked to a lot of women. I wouldn't say that that's like the overriding theme that I've heard from them, but I think, you know, maybe more specific to you and what people might associate with you based on what you talk about on the podcast. Huh? So I get inundated with micro penises. It's just, it's a me problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mini me problem. Yeah, because it's funny because I I see a lot of, uh, especially women who get dick pics. And because I think most guys who get dick pics are like, yeah, like, I see gay guys exchange dick pics. And they're like, this is great. I'm like, what planet do you live on? Like, it is not great to me. But, um, you know, they say, oh, you should respond back with how small it is and how and I'm like, that's what they want. (laughs) Don't fall into that trap. Like, (laughs) No! I, I have to admit, in the past, I have sent non-consensual dick pics. I don't do that anymore. I learned my lesson, but I kind of equate it to, like, when a cat brings you a dead animal and plops it in front of you. It's something that the cat thinks you're going to think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is the most amazing dead mouse <laughs> and really or you're stinky like, sock. Ew, ew, ew. Yes. And in reality, you're going, ew, ew, ew. 
Well, I, I, I thought I was doing a solid. It, it ended up I was like just dropping a dead mouse. So I think this is um, <laughs> this is a complex phenomenon, and that different guys may do it for for different reasons. You know, some people may do it because ultimately they do actually want to be humiliated, but. Oftentimes, though, I think a lot of people do it because they want validation of, of their, their penis and how great they think it is, right? So um, you may see different people doing it for different reasons. And, and I also see that the, the pattern of correlates is different for uh, gay men compared to straight men, right? So it, it's something that is perceived very differently in the gay community than it is when, when a man is doing this to, to a woman. Um, but interestingly, something I saw in the data was that a lot of people People said that, and this is including heterosexual men who are sending their pictures to women, a lot of people said that it was reciprocated, so the other person sent a picture back, or that it ultimately led to sex with that person. And so even though this is an unwanted, non-consensual behavior, some people are reporting that it leads to sex or reciprocation of pictures, and that is ultimately going to reinforce the behavior. Um, and, And that ultimately make it harder to stop because if it i i totally found that to be my experience like 99.99 percent of the people definitely wanted it reciprocated it one person said no and i haven't done it since huh i just i had no idea that no was an option with that i didn't think about it as non-consensual i'm just stupid like i had no idea that what i was doing was a bad i really didn't interesting and, so okay, especially with positive reinforcement, like getting naked pics of people that I want to see that I think are sexy or sexual partners. And, and I think huh. that's ultimately the issue is that you know most of the guys who are sending these pics have never been called out for it, and so that sort of leads them to perceive that this behavior is normative, right? And that there are no costs or consequences associated with it. Uh, so if they never experience a negative outcome, then they're or they're never told no, then they may continue to be, to engage in the behavior. And now, and now my question is, and I'm thinking more <laughs> in the, in the, the heterosexual scenario, because it, it is mostly women who are like, ew, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so are the women who are reciprocating, are they reciprocating because they honestly are really into it? Like, Oh wow, your dick turned me on. Here's a picture of my tits or whatever. Or are we reciprocating because that's what we've been conditioned to do is just kind of go with the flow and, and please men. So did your research go that far? Great question. And no, I only studied the um, perspective of the person sending the photos. So the next study would be looking at the the receivers and, you know, what their responses and reactions are. And if they send a, a photo back in return, you know, what are the circumstances when when and why did they do that? So why do they sometimes respond to an unsolicited dick pic? And, you know, what does that mean? Ha, I'm geeking out. I cannot wait until you get to that that part of the research. Um, so this has been super fascinating and helpful. I know for a lot of our listeners, as we said, we get these questions all the time. And after, you know, 80 some odd episodes of the podcast, we are addressing cuckolding for the first time. So this information is going to be well received and welcome to a lot of eager um cuckold fantasy ears i am sure so what have you i know you have your book what else have you got going on and coming up that the listeners can look forward to Mm -hmm. so i'm also embarking on a speaking tour around the country i have some talks coming up with the uh, sexual health alliance in los angeles chicago and seattle where i'll be putting on workshops about the science of sex and sexual fantasies and these are talks that are designed for anyone. Um, we do get a lot of sex therapists and educators who come, but uh, we get just members of the community who come as well. Um, I had someone recently who uh, is a businessman who came with his uh uh, his spouse and the two of them attended my full two day workshop. And by the end of it, uh, this guy came up and told me that I had changed his marriage. So that was, um, nice to hear. Uh, and, and also, you know, I think a good endorsement for kind of what you could get out of, uh, the programming. So if you're curious about, uh, upcoming talks and events, just go to my website. It's uh, sexandpsychology.com and there's a tab for public speaking and you can find information about all my speaking engagements there. Awesome. And for for those listening along, American fuckers, I will have all of that information in our show notes at AmericanSexPodcast.com. And I just want to mention one last thing. I am so pissed 
that we moved to Vegas right when you're coming to do this in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, I want to go to that. So, well, maybe we need to arrange something to have him come to Vegas. Yes, either come to Vegas or maybe we'll we'll pop out to LA or something. But it it'll happen. It'll happen. I look forward to it. Awesome. And as always, this has been an amazing conversation. We love talking to you. We love your brain. We both have a brain crush on you. And um, yeah, American fuckers, if you don't know Dr. Justin Lay Miller, go read all the stuff. And uh, until next time, right? Yep. All right. Bye. Bye. I'm Nicoletta. And I'm Simone. And together, we're Sluts and Scholars. Every Thursday, we drop a new episode and probably your pants. Our guests range from Nina Hartley to exes and Dita Von Teese to sexual trauma therapists. So join us weekly to talk smart and fuck smarter. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.